Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are recording this on Sunday, June 12th. You are probably listening to this early in the morning on Monday, June 13th. And we are here, Brendan, lucky us, to talk about a sweep at the hands of the New York Yankees for our Chicago Cubs. Yeah, Corey, you know, some, some positives here are only like 11 games back, so there's still there's still time to turn. No, no there's, there's no positive. This was, I described this to Corey before we went on, this is like the lowest point I feel like we've had since some, some time. I mean, the series was terrible, injuries have kind of piled up with this rotation that I'm sure we'll get into, but th- this is this is tough, Corey. Even trying to record this episode, like it just feels really bad right now. Brendan, I think I interned in the Yankees front office like nine years ago, and are you saying this is your fault? No, I was going to say that okay. everybody in a Yankee uniform hit a home run this weekend, and I think that even extended to me with how many people wow. related to the Yankees wow. were hitting home runs this weekend. It was pretty much Have everybody. you two made some swing changes over the offseason? Is that why? Uh, yeah, I mean, it just seemed like if you had anything to do with the Yankees <laughs> this weekend, you hit a home run, so... Yes, that is uh, where we are. There's a lot going on, um, despite all of the results being bad, uh, a lot of injuries, a lot of player movement. um, So we will break it all down uh, and and get you set up here uh, before the Cubs open up a series with the Padres. And Brendan, like, we just get to sort of roll everything over because, you know, we deal with this Yankee series all weekend. And the Cubs, you know, mm-hmm. no big deal. They just have to face you, Darvish at Wrigley Field on Monday night. So oh, man. the good vibes just keep yeah, on coming, that. don't they? I love it. I mean, as I said, like, if I'm going to suffer, if I'm going to feel pain, mm-hmm. just turn it all the way up. Yeah. Let's get it all in my brain. So this is great. Yeah. So let's, uh, we'll set the table here real quick. Uh, I would, it would take me two hours to describe every run that the Yankees scored. So I will not do that. Please do. Yes. We'll keep it brief. Uh, but just to set the table here and then we'll jump into everything we have to jump into. 
Uh, it was two to one on Friday, a, a close game. Both teams failed to bring in that uh, extra runner in extra innings up until the 13th, in which the Yankees do it to win two to one. Um, a ton of pitchers used in this game. Miley, Norris, Efros, Martin, Givens, Robertson, Wick, Hughes, and Mills, all for the Cubs in this game. This game started by Wade Miley. He ends up coming out of this game, and he is dealing with an injury, so that is uh, definitely some bad news there. Um, so he's on the injured list, so that is bad. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the rest of the rotation. Uh, and then... Despite a close game on Friday, Brendan, things spiraled from there. It was eight to nothing mm-hmm. on Saturday. The Yankees hitting, I believe, six home runs in that game. Um, two off the bat of Aaron Judge, one off the bat of Giancarlo Stanton, which I believe was the hardest hit ball in the Statcast era here, or one of them it was 120 miles an hour off the bat. That's it hit it. the. Wow. They have like an advertisement sign. Uh, under the stands in left field. It hit that and bounced like all the way back into left field is how hard (laughs) that ball was hit. Um, Rough one for Matt Swarmer, five innings, seven hits, six earned runs. Uh, Of those seven hits, six of them, Brendan, are home runs. So yeah, not uh, great. Four strikeouts and no walks though. So, you know, silver linings. Yeah. Silver lining right there. Yep. And then on Sunday, it was uh, the Cubs scored four runs, Brendan. Uh, the Yankees scored several more than that. I'm, I'm tallying 18 here on uh, on Sunday. Frank Schwindel ended up pitching in this game again, so that should tell you pretty much how this one went. It started good with Ian Happ homering his seventh of the year to start this game in the first inning, and then it went uh, very south from there. Keegan Thompson with another uh, not-so-great outing. Uh, That's probably putting it lightly. Two-thirds of an inning here for Keegan, his second loss of the year. Three hits, five runs, only three of them earned, uh, three walks, and no strikeouts. So we will certainly talk to the pitch doctor, Brendan Miller, about what we've seen from Keegan in these last few outings. Obviously, you know, talk about the difference between him being a starter and a reliever and all of that. Uh, And that is... uh, pretty much the tail of the tape there, Brendan. There was pretty much uh, as many bad kind of record-setting statistics as you could come up with. Um, I I have one uh, that was tweeted out okay. by Megan Montemuro that is for only the eighth time in franchise history, the Cubs have recorded multiple games with 18 or more runs allowed within a season. They allowed 18, of course, on Sunday in New York and 20 on May 26th against the Reds. So probably not. uh, I'm no expert, Brendan, so I'll defer to you. Mm. My estimation, though, is that uh, doing something like that for only the eighth time in a 100-plus year franchise history, all within the span of about three weeks, is probably not not great. No, I don't think that's how you uh, are going to win in baseball right. games. I don't know. We'll see how it works out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like you said in, in the outset, the these are interesting discussions, uh, I think, for you and I, because I think like a lot of people, we did not have high expectations for this team. Uh, this team being competitive or, you know, really even being interesting was, as we talked 
all off season. Uh, you and I and Cody, Luke and Ryan. Um, it was going to take a lot to go right, a lot. And and we're some of that we've seen. Some of that has gone well, but not obviously not nearly enough to have made this work. The percentages were always very low. But so I don't find myself getting angry over and over again, right? Because nothing about what happened this weekend is different than what happened in Baltimore or the weekend before, the weekend before that, right? Like they're not newly bad this weekend. We knew this. But watching them, especially against uh, right now the best team in the league in the New York Yankees, and just these last two days, seeing them just get walloped, just wiped across the dirt at Yankee Stadium, really did just drive home um, how bad bad this team is. Dark. um, How... Sadness. and, And just the position that this organization is in. And, you know, you certainly see it on social media where a lot of people go back to the quotes from the front office and ownership in this offseason about this year being competitive and having the resources to be competitive. And yeah. like every team, right, they've had some injuries and that doesn't help. But, you know, that's certainly not what's keeping this team from uh, being competitive at, at the moment, uh, even if those are, right. are, are unhelpful. Uh, so yeah, this is a, this feels like a low. Losing by that many runs to the Reds I think felt maybe a little worse because the Reds are also terrible. So that was like, okay, geez. But this was just quite a display in like, these two teams are not nearly on the same competitive level, the Cubs and the Yankees. And that's bothersome for a lot of us, right? it, It sort of reiterates like, yeah, this is kind of BS. Like where this organization is right now is is really unsettling. Um, and I think, you know, everybody's kind of right to be pissed off, even if there is a lot, and we'll talk about it probably towards the end, a lot going on in those lower levels that is exciting for the future. And, yeah. and some of the things yeah. are working out, but still like this was a mess, Brendan. It, it, it's a mess. And Watching on Twitter or just seeing comments on our YouTube uh, show, the the ire is so strong that even sometimes the significant performances for young pitchers such as Swarmer or Keegan or Justin Steele sometimes gets muted out because the rest of the team has looked so discouraging at times. This series against the Yankees everything was bad. So Swarmer gave up six homers, Corey. Six. That's unreal. After that really encouraging first start, and you're thinking, wow, did we just kind of fall in to having another young under 30 pitcher? And then Keegan Thompson follows up the very next day, not even to go beyond, was it 30 pitches, 35 pitches? And so it's it's those performances or lack thereof this weekend compounded with the lack of offense and not being able to score with runners in scoring position that, that makes this particular weekend, for for me, the, the low point. Now, does this mean that Keegan Thompson's not good now and Swarmer is an afterthought because of this? No, that's still an extreme. There's still a lot of baseball left, but it does kind of make you go into the darkest pits of your mind and think, "Uh uh-oh, you know, what if this continues? Uh, What does this mean for next season? You kind of spiral down and go into these deep, deep, dark rabbit holes. That's 
that's what these bad series does, at least to me. Um, and it sucks. That that's that's where I'm at, Corey. It's really it's really discouraging. And before like we go on and give it back to you here too, um, you know, there, this team has over the past couple of years, and we've talked about this so much. I don't even want to relitigate this, but it's just the uh, inability to hit on all the margins, um, the inability to sign quality free agents for depth pieces. They missed on VR again. It's the potential negligence with the rotation um, and Porosani's over the years. This offseason, maybe you can you can consider they didn't sign uh, enough starting pitching. Um, and also, it's the inability to have developed any talent outside the first round of the draft for a decade. So all those compounded, you get a team right now that's one of the worst in Major League Baseball, um, especially this season, who have lost so many one-run games. Uh, not that it's a silver lining, but they are out losing their expected record by seven games. So the, all around, this is just bad, bad, bad in all, all the margins, all the areas. And I feel bad for myself. I feel bad for, for you. And I feel bad for everyone watching this every day. It's not fun at all. Yeah, I think uh, I saw Michael Cerami from Bleacher Nation put it um, with regard to the one-run game. Certainly, Saturday and Sunday in New York uh, do not apply to this. But, you know, you look at their record in one-run games, and there's been a lot of them. And it he, he sort of phrased yeah, it bad. as like, you know, often— not all the time, obviously, but a lot. They have been good enough to compete, but not good enough to win it uh, more often yeah. than not, right? And, you know, certainly, like, you watch these last couple games, it doesn't really feel that way, but that has been true for a lot of the season. Um, and that, you know, is another reason that a lot of people are sort of pissed off that they didn't exactly. make a little more of an effort in this offseason. Well, that's, and that's where I fall too, right? Yeah. Because you do see... For example, the VR signing. I, it, at the time, it, it makes sense, right? I guess maybe the front office didn't expect that the athleticism would decline so dramatically. I'm not sure how you project that, but that type of knowledge has to be had when right. you when you sign them. Um, and then within the same line of thinking, of course, you can't project you know the injuries to the rotation with with Wade Miley, but he is older. He is a 34 year old starting pitcher, right. and the depth has been not the best so far from the rotation and then Hendricks issues and then Stroman's injuries. So, so for me, it's like, oh, maybe you should have went out there and signed someone like in, in Carlos Rodon's tier, not him per se, but within that tier to bolster that depth, they didn't do that. So that's where they didn't hit those margins sufficiently, in my opinion. Right. And I don't think that there's anything that they could have done, you know, probably singularly in this one off season to, uh, you know, completely, uh, fix things or, um, right. you know, put the organization in, in that immediate path, right, to be like a World Series contender. But you also are, are pretty frustrated that this division is playing out exactly as you kind of expected, right? Right now, the Cardinals are winning the division at 34 and 27, mm-hmm. right? So I think where a lot of this frustration is, is that a lot of fans after the trade deadline last year sort of understood what this team was trying to do, or at least what they were sort of trying to sell us on what they were trying to do, and lowered their expectations. Like I think you and I, and and really most people we talked to, were not happy 
with lowered expectations, but they were like, okay, well, like, hopefully they can put a team out there that can be competitive and interesting and all of that. And, you know, the the fact that we find ourselves on June 12th talking about a team that's 13 games under 500 and 10 games out of first place, it, yeah, like, it's insulting, I think, to all of us. This is just not, and, you know, not to harp on a lot of this same stuff, but this is just not whether or not they were going to be that ultimate contender nobody expected that but this product for the the price of the experience at Wrigley Field and where this organization is value wise and we hear those Forbes articles every year right about how much it's worth and stuff like that it's just unacceptable you know and nobody nobody cares about the injury excuse right like the White Sox have plenty of injuries, other teams have plenty of injuries. Everybody deals with this. Like they were not prepared for it at all. Yeah. Uh, you had Alzali get hurt. You've had Miley deal with stuff, and Stroman and Hendricks have been ineffective in a lot of the time that they've been out there, with and they injuries. had no no backup for that, no plan yeah. for that. They're relying right. on Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson to take a huge step in their career. Otherwise, the rotation is a total mess. That's where I I fall into like the same type of bucket as many fans um, are in with their displeasure with the free agent signings. But but there's still a balance there. The free agent market going into this year, the guys you sign are not going to make that significant difference to be that top tier contender. It wasn't possible in this market with this current roster. And so whereas my displeasure is still quite strong, you know, right now in the current moment, I'm still applying that back to like 2016, 2017. And that to me is where I'm such, I'm, I'm so disappointed that the front office fell behind during that time period. And not to like, again, go back and relitigate this, but it's compounded to what we see today. Uh, Evan Altman of Cubs Insider uh, put out this video of former Cub Alex Lang, who was drafted. Uh, he fit the mold of that late college pitcher, starting pitcher who could have gone through the system very fast for the Cubs many, many years ago. I think like six or seven years ago, maybe longer than that now. And he was throwing 91, 92 at the time. He's with Detroit throwing 98, 99, Corey. Right. So it's it's that type of like inability back then to have f- uh, projected this to have the foresight, and I think we're seeing everything kind of just snowball. And on top of that, some ineffectiveness of this current front office group from from making some acquisition calls or lack thereof. And this this is what you get. It's not to say that everything's screwed going in the future because I do think they're having success in many areas of this organization. But right now in this current moment in 2022, um, seeing how it plays out, it's 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 dark. It, it sucks to watch. Yeah. And then, you know, it doesn't figure to immediately get any better. Not that I don't know if anybody even cares at this point. Um, but you know, Stroman is on the injured list with shoulder inflammation. Miley's now on the injured list. Seiya Suzuki being shut down for a little bit, uh, you know, still dealing with the finger issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another one. You know, how long is he going to be out? It's not worth pushing it. So, you know, he could be out for however long it takes him to feel completely comfortable with that finger. So you're right. still going to be dealing with that stuff. And you know, I, I, I don't want to go too much into this because um, Cody, Luke, and Ryan on Friday kind of talked about 
the Clint Frazier DFA and and a lot of that stuff. But that only adds to the the level of frustration, and it's it's not about any of those players individually, right? If you want to like hear in depth about this specific issue, Cody, Luke, and Ryan did a, a good job in the episode on Friday. I, I would defer to that, um, you know, for a more in depth on just this specific thing, because there's a lot that we kind of want to get to on this episode uh, for your Monday, but. It's especially frustrating, I think, Brendan, even even not expecting anything out of this team, right? N- to me, what what pissed me off the other day is not about Clint Frazier specifically, and it's not about Jason Hayward specifically. What it's about is that this season is going to be lost, right? This team isn't going to make the playoffs, uh, they're not going to be good. At this point, you have people on Cubs Twitter looking at the reverse standings and seeing where the Cubs are going to fall in the draft lottery, right? So for them to not actually give Clint Frazier an opportunity, whether you thought it was going to work or not, doesn't really matter. They did not give him an actual opportunity to be sure that they knew he he couldn't catch on or anything like that. That didn't happen. And you still have Simmons on this roster and playing. You brought VR back from the IL. He's still on this roster and playing. Jason Hayward is still on this roster and starting every day with a 6-10 OPS. That is unserious is the best phrase that I can come up with for that. That you, you are getting nothing from doing any of that. And so they're not doing that everywhere, right? Because they brought Morell up, they're letting him play every day, they're letting him lead off, they're letting Nico play short and develop, right? They, they are doing that in some ways. But for the organization, for whatever the reason is, right? If it's they don't want a sunken cost, they don't want to eat the money and have a guy not play, whether it's the relationships that people have to Jason Hayward or something like that, whatever it is, right? Doesn't matter. What the organization is saying is that we are going to prioritize some of these older, awful players who are not producing and have no value to the Chicago Cubs currently, especially going forward. We're going to prioritize that for whatever reason instead of giving younger guys a look. And again, the word that I come up with with that is unserious. That is a, a an unserious move to be making. It's it's it insulting is. to all of us because if that's what they're going to prioritize for whatever the reason, right? This whole season is a complete and utter waste. You you have right. a whole it's, all weekend, Brendan, you have Jason Hayward playing right field. That has absolutely no value to this organization now or going forward. So I we, I'm, we try not to curse. I'm not going to. But what? Uh, you almost. But did. what the f yeah. is the point, Brendan? What are they doing? I of of all the moves they've made, which have been plenty, this is by far in my recent memory, perhaps my entire memory as a Cubs fan, the most obviously worst move, like ever, Corey. It makes zero sense. The devil's advocate explanation is that his leadership in the dugout, his mentorship to younger players is dependent on Hayward himself being, you know, 
in a good mood, happy, not to say it like that, but is dependent on Hayward playing. If Hayward plays more, the probability that he can be a good mentor increases for the young guys. I don't I don't buy that. I think yeah, give me a break. It's I know. I think that the obvious the obvious call, the obvious call for this team to be good is to give guys with team control, with uh, youth on their side, with power ceilings on their side, a chance. And they didn't do that. If I'm Clint Frazier, Corey, uh, you know, we don't know the behind the scenes stuff, but me personally, I'm punching holes in the wall. Yeah. Like you just signed with this organization for a chance. You didn't get that. You just came back from an injury and you worked your butt off to get back on this team and you did not get a chance within a week. Right. That is really shameful on this front office, Corey. Like, quite honestly, very shameful on this front office, especially this past week. We just had an episode where we're hearing Michael Gibbons. We're hearing Robertson talk about relievers potentially wanting to come to this team, wanting to come to this team for opportunities to turn their careers around. And you just decided to take an aging right fielder who has not hit for the majority of his contract, and you just decided to play him over a 27-year-old guy who has some of the best discipline in the league. Doesn't make sense. Well, it's shameful. It's an insult to the team. It's an insult to and us. And even if it's not Clint Frazier, it doesn't matter, right? Bring yeah. Nelson Velasquez back up. Bring up somebody else that's that's worthy of a shot that hasn't got one. Even when you look at guys like Schwindel and Wisdom, the reason that those guys, even though they're older, are getting these shots and you don't hear people freaking out about it is because they showed you something right? They right. hadn't gotten those opportunities before, and they showed you in different sample sizes the ability to produce somewhat at the major league level, right? So right. that's different, right? Frank Schwindel could be a, a bench player, you know, on, on, a, yeah. on a good team, a guy that, you know, plays backup first base, pinch hits, gives somebody a rest, whatever it is, right? Like, it just, yeah, it just, looking today, and again, people are hurt, Madrigal's hurt too, although, you know, I, most of you listening to this don't seem to care about that either, <laughs> um, but like, you know, you look at the lineup today, you had VR in there and Hayward in there, just no point, there's just no point, Yeah, man. you guys, and like, yeah. we've been talking about this for a long time, so we're gonna, you know, head to a, a sponsor break here, and we're gonna move on to talk about Keegan Thompson, and you know, again, continuing what we're doing and looking at, at pieces for the future, but the the particular move from from this weekend in DFAing someone like Frazier without really giving him a, a true, fair, consistent look and playing Hayward every day. I mean, he's hitting against lefties out there, Brendan. I mean, this weekend right. he's starting against left-handed pitchers. It is a move that is completely um, just inconsistent with, yeah, a, with the almost everything else you're doing. Right, exactly. and you talk about the, the the pitching staff and what they're doing in the bullpen. We've seen the complete opposite of this. Right, mm-hmm. they're bringing in guys to try to, you know, reclaim them and maybe build trade value, or they're bringing up young guys and giving them a shot. Right, and seeing if they can stick. And some of them have. Right, this particular move is just completely inconsistent with all of that, and it's inconsistent with with, with what this year should be about. It's just pointless, and I. I all, all I can say, they, they won't lead on about it, uh, but they had better be doing this for a brief period and have some sort of other plan. Um, because when, whenever Seiya's finger heals up, this outfield on a nightly basis should be Ian Happ, who continues to kill it, right? 
Christopher Morell, and Seiya Suzuki. Ooh, and if there's any deviation be. from that, right, it's, We're gonna have a again, problem. I'm going to keep using the word. It's just unserious. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I just don't know what else to say if they continue to do this. You cannot keep playing a bunch of old players in a year where you're 13 games under 500. Brendan, it has to be about something. It can't just be a big waste of time. It can't. And before I do this ad read here, my my last thought, just to be like crystal clear, th- this is not dogging Jason Hayward. It's it's He has gone through so much effort to be successful, and unfortunately, it has not worked out. That's what it is. This is the front office, and yeah. this is the coaching staff's problem. Or ownership, we don't know. Yeah, so it's not, I don't want to say, oh, screw Jason Hayward. No, like, it's got nothing to do is, with him. Yeah, the guy has really tried, and it hasn't worked out, and you have to make tough decisions. And it's also, as we're talking about this, this decision is being made within the context of having just traded Rizzo and you know Javi Baez and, and Chris Bryant and potentially trading Wilson Contreras in the upcoming few weeks here. And when you contrast the decision to keep Hayward rather than not giving other guys chances while trading some of the most influential players in your team's history, it does, as you say, Corey, kind of make this unserious. Um, yeah. Well, and so want, the the other thing, yeah. and you know, to your point about Jason Hayward too. Like he's been a obviously a great teammate and an incredible community member um, for the most part in in Chicago. Like this is also like they they have to be careful about this, right? Because this is how you start getting a guy like that booed at Wrigley Field, right? Mm. You can see it online. Like there was a period of time where everybody knew he wasn't good, but everybody kind of ignored it, right? Like yeah, you keep point. doing this and shipping other guys off or not giving them an opportunity like this is how you get people to really resent someone and it you know he's just out there getting written in the lineup every day like you got to yeah, be careful, gotta be about careful. Stuff like this like people are not happy watching them get pantsed by the Yankees <laughs> all weekend and you just keep watching some of this stuff like people are going to start getting pissed right. I, those who are still going as we keep seeing the numbers at Wrigley are you know continue to dwindle but this you know you got to be careful about stuff like this from a you sort do. of management perspective that's a great point I just wanted to throw that point in there you know about Hayward and, and him specifically because it is nuanced but it is off uh, it is an obvious decision from a personnel perspective so you can you can communicate all of this and not dog the player himself and this all of our ire that we're talking about crystal clear it is the Koshi staff it is the front office that it that just cannot happen whatsoever okay uh so break here from our sponsor points but the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you. Remember that PointsBet is your home for live in-game Betting, they even have a new exclusive feature, live NBA same game parlay. For the first time ever, build a perfect live same game parlay only with points bet. Combine your favorite bets 
anytime during the game. You can even boost your live same game parlays. Online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Signing up with the fastest sports book is now easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. Use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Second break here, I have to tell you about OWEN, which stands for Only What You Need. OWEN is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, no gluten or dairy, and easily digestible. For example, Corey, to maintain my shortstop athleticism, I started drinking these protein shakes, and now I feel as strong as Nico Horner. And I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet. Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com with code CHGO20. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen only what you need. All right, Brendan. So I think that's uh, enough of that discussion. Like I said, if you want to hear more uh Luke and, and Cody and Ryan, I think, covered that a bit more in depth. Um, but we haven't been on since all of that happened, so we did want to, you know, offer our two cents. But let's talk about Keegan Thompson, Brendan, because I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, okay. A rough outing, obviously, um, for him in New York. Defense didn't help, but he was not. He, he was he not was good not anyway. Yeah. Um, last couple starts, obviously, a bit of a struggle to start in Baltimore on June 7th was three innings, seven earned runs, one walk, and one strikeout. Again, the outing uh, against New York, two-thirds of an inning, three hits, three earned, five total, three walks, and no strikeouts. So firstly, like for me, without, you know, getting into a lot of the semantics with you, um, the first thing I would say is, like, you got to let him keep starting at least for a little while here because he had you know several good starts prior to this that two bad ones uh even you know a couple disastrous ones don't immediately sort of end this experiment right you've started to try this you you know you see it through right for however long until you're really positive of of what you're looking at but what jumps out to me Brendan and I guess the the way I'm posing this sort of question and topic to you is it if you look back at last year and you look at this year, I think the easiest question and maybe conclusion for people to come to is he looks like the type of guy, even though he's made, he'd done some work, you know, changed his repertoire, tried to add those pitches and mix them in uh, to his repertoire. Like he, he, it, it seems initially that he may just be the type of guy who needs that kind of extra bump that you get when you're pitching in shorter bursts, whether that's a little bit of a velo bump because you can kind of max out for a couple innings rather than having to pace yourself, hoping to go five, six, seven innings, whether that is being able to showcase different pitches because you're only going to face guys once or twice maybe at a maximum. It, it just sort of seems perhaps, right, is is that how you would kind of see this, that maybe he's just one of those guys who needs that 
sort of extra bump that comes when things are condensed down a little bit. Because what immediately jumps out to me, uh, not digging into all of the stuff that you dig into, is there's kind of a clear drop-off in the amount of whiffs and strikeouts, generally speaking, when he is starting as opposed to when he is coming in to those short burst relief outings. You look at these last two outings, one walk, one strikeout against Baltimore, three walks, no strikeouts uh, against the Yankees, right? It just feels a little different than some of those earlier relief outings where we were seeing him strike out four, three, four, five guys across, you know, two or three innings at a time, right? So uh, that's that's my kind of preamble, and I'm curious, like, what did you see on Sunday, and where do you think we are with this kind of experiment with him? Still a work in progress. With Keegan, the success was occurring absent of extreme whiffs. He was able to induce weak contact. His whiff rate is 20%, Corey. The major league average is usually around 22 to 23%. So he is below league average in whiffs, and he, he has been below league average in whiffs. The likelihood for success is still high if you can command your pitches. And that's what he did out of the bullpen. That's what he did in his first few starts coming from the bullpen. And that was in due part from that cutter command. In his last two outings, the cutter command has not been there, nor has the frequency of that pitch. And as a result, in substitution, he's used more sinkers and change-ups, which in my mind, you want to see that experimentation occur. Because if those two pitches become successful, that boosts his pitch number from three to five and increases the chances of getting through the order multiple times. With Keegan, the problem against the Yankees was that he was unable, for some reason early on, I'm not sure if this was a pitch strategy idea or a lack of feel for the pitch, but he was unable to establish a four-seam fastball at, at all. And he also had trouble locating his cutter. I'm looking at the illustrator map right here. I'm counting 70% of his cutters were outside the zone, low and away. They were, they were not located well. He typically throws those pitches low and outside to the knees of right-handed batters. He did not do that in his brief appearance in New York. And then additionally, when you look at the game plan, I, I'm guessing that the game plan was for him to use the sinker more. So within the first few batters of the game, I did not see, nor did the data say, that he threw a cutter until the ninth pitch, Corey, of, of the game. And he leaned heavily, heavily, heavily on sinkers. He threw more sinkers than any other pitch type. That's the first time he's done that in his career, like ever. And so I know the outing was brief, but you can tell that for whatever reason, whether it's strategic or feel, the, the sinker was the pitch of choice for that day. And then, of course, the cutter just wasn't there. He's walking guys. And then the four seamers he did throw, they just they also weren't commanded well. And so, of course, you're not going to be able to get whiffs at all using your curveball, which has been his wipeout pitch this season. So that was his issue. I don't understand why he didn't throw four seams, why he waited to throw cutters, Um because, Corey, those two pitches made up over 70% of his repertoire out of the bullpen. And in addition, when he started the first few outings of this season, so for him to not throw those pitches at all to start the game, 
put him behind right away, and he didn't recover in that short, brief outing. And I think that's what it was. I my my confidence in Keegan, um, with expectations that he can be a valuable pitcher, is still pretty high at this point. He's looked really good for the majority of the season. I thought, as we talked about with that cutter command, that's impressive. I think the cutter having above league average horizontal movements is impressive. And I'm also curious to see how that changeup plays up in a larger sample because that pitch has uh, a little bit more depth than what you would expect from your average changeup um, as well. So I do think there's potential there. I do think there's a lot of work to be done. And for him to be a starting pitcher, like he kind of has to hit on all those cylinders, and we haven't seen that happen yet. So I don't know if you can bet that he's going to be that starter at this point. I think there's a good possibility that that does happen, but we still need to see a lot to happen for us to be confident that we can pencil him in as a significant innings getter as a starting pitcher. And ultimately, Corey, his role just might be that longer multi-inning reliever, which is, you know, it could be okay. And so, you know, you're going to have the opportunity to continue giving him looks here in the starting rotation, which again, you shouldn't be abandoning because of a couple bad starts anyway. But you've got Miley now dealing with another injury, Stroman dealing with an injury. Uh, You know, hopefully he's able to come back soon, but you're going to have these spots in the rotation, right? So it's not even as though you have some tough decisions to make or anything like that. You don't, right? So Keegan and Justin Steele should continue getting starts. And again, like everything else, give it a a fair look. See what you need to see. Uh, You've got plenty of runway here left in the season. I think it's also very possible that uh, Caleb Killian gets some more starts here. You're going to have to fill these spots in the rotation. And just like everything else with this year, like it should be valuable. And that is a valuable way to use that time. And I think even if we end this season thinking, you know what, I think that Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson are better served in shorter bursts, you know, two, three, four innings at a time out of the bullpen, that's it's it that's not a bad thing, right? You love right. starters, you'd love to be able to have that and and create those kind of reliable once every fifth day, giving you quality starts, that type of thing. Yes, of course, right? But we've talked a ton. Like the game is is constantly changing and moving away from that a little bit. And we've seen both of those guys be really, really effective in those other roles. Um, Keegan Thompson himself was one of the most valuable players on the team. Uh, if you're looking at wins above replacement before he was starting, right? And so that was mostly yeah. just coming out of the bullpen. So it's it's not a you know it's it's not a demotion it's it's not inherently a a bad thing it's a very very valuable role especially in today's game and as you go forward to be able to have those guys to either piggyback off each other come in in relief of starters who you know can't go as long as you'd like them to whatever it is we've seen how valuable that can be um you just again like everything else give yourself the full picture right Keep yeah, going absolutely. with these starts. You've already started this. These guys are stretched out. Check it out. See if they can make adjustments and figure things out after some bad starts. And if not, that's okay. But you've got the time to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I think with the current options for the rotation, 
when we talk about Hendrix, we talk about um, Keegan, we talk about even Killian. Um, one of the concerns, not the right word, but in the back of my mind, I'm wondering if more emphasis on acquiring additional pitchers to complement those guys is going to be necessary. And, and th- this is why, because with Kyle and with what we've seen from Keegan, they've had success, Kyle, of course, in many years, but they've had success because they induce weak contact. And from my point of view, and I think a lot of fans' point of view, they, they like to see whiffs, swings and misses, uh, because you know strikeouts are going to reduce any BS. It reduces blue pits. It reduces balls in the gap. It reduces bad defensive miscues. Um, and you want to get whiffs. And if the Cubs ultimately go with these guys, uh, they don't have sliders. And having a slider is going to give you the greatest probability for a whiff. With Killian, relies heavily on a cutter. With Keegan, relies heavily on a cutter. And with Kyle, right now, he doesn't have a hard breaking pitch whatsoever, a cutter nor a slider, just that change up and that slow breaking pitch. Um, and so I say that because, you know, I, I, I think over the next year or two, this front office needs to potentially put more emphasis on identifying those whiffs guys. And that could be in the form of an extremely good curveball, but also in the form of acquiring guys with really interesting sliders. And, you know, Swarmer could be one of those guys, but he's just a two-pitch guy. So already he has that working against him. Um, So as we see Killian come up, what I'm hoping for is that cutter is so good and that curveball is so good that it does generate to above league average whiffs. And what I'm hoping for with Keegan is that curveball becomes so effective, he throws it more, and that changeup also becomes effective because that pitch gets more whiffs than... um, cutters and curveballs that he becomes more effective and so that's what I'm looking for as the season progresses is also not just like the status quo per se but also generating more whiffs the emphasis on generating more whiffs and in the offseason getting more guys that have more whiffable type pitches and to put this more into context and I'll do our second ad break here before I give it back to you Corey uh, what I what I mean by this is set the foundation is that when you look at the whiff rates by pitch the curveball gets a 12% whiff rate. The slider gets almost a 17% whiff rate. So when we talk about Keegan, for example, having a league average to a below league average whiff rate, you know, generating a more harder breaking pitch like a slider is going to put you above league average. Um, and then you look further down, four-seamer, 10% whiff rate, sinker, 7% whiff rate. And then there's your slider again at almost 17%. So that pitch type is really important. And that's what uh, Daniel Moskos uh, had success with, with, with the Yankees. So uh, that's my thinking right now. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Killian when he comes back up. Hopefully it is soon for all of us for a curiosity point of view. But um, I'm still owning in on trying to get these guys get more west because we've seen the potential negatives of not having guys being able to generate all those whiffs. All right, so a second ad break here from our sponsors, uh, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand bucks, but if you need, if you make a fifty dollar or more, more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email points, but all CHGO.com will help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in 
Illinois, you can actually download the points for that right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone because you'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that is easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds so what are you waiting for once the game starts don't just bet live your bet live with points bet gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 yeah so i want to uh touch on some stuff in the minors before we go uh to preview this series with san diego uh but as we've done a, a little bit, just some a couple of, of notes uh, that we saw over the weekend on the offensive side. So Christopher Morell's on Bay Street did end uh, on Saturday. So that's a bummer, but it was still uh, an incredible run for Christopher Morell. Uh, and he did... Um, you know, kind of set the world on fire. So credit to him, and obviously he still remains one of the most exciting things to tune into uh, pretty much on a daily basis for this team. Uh, And I want to continue and just pause to give credit to Ian Happ, Brendan. He's just having a really nice season. Uh, And as we kind of started, you know, the beginning of this podcast was lamenting, you know, the the current state of things and how a lot of this has gone. Uh, That is one thing that has gone really well. I mean, we're at 230 plate appearances for this year from Ian Happ, and he is posting what would be the second best walk rate of his career, the lowest K rate of his career by a lot. Uh, It's 19.6%. Right now, the second lowest in his career was 25% in 2019. So he's made a lot of improvements there. And his overall line just looks great. 275, 378, 466, which is good for a 365 weighted on base average and a 134 WRC plus, so 34% better than a league average hitter. Seven home runs driven in 30. Um, he just looks great, Brendan, and that's uh, that's a good thing. You know, the contacts remained up, the power starting to show up a little bit more. And as you said, Corey, as you're talking about the outfield and Ian Happ, once Saya does come back, I'm looking forward. You see Morel out there every day, you see Ian out there in left, you see Saya out there in right. And depending on how Morel adjusts as the season ends, we may be looking at a significant contributing outfield for the 2023 season that's pretty exciting yeah hopefully that is uh indeed the case morell struck out four times uh 0 for 5 in the game on sunday um is that indicative of a sort of adjustment period for him it's a bad couple games so who knows um but you know you got to be patient with that for as exciting as he was to begin his career, right? You have to allow for these things. We saw it with Seiya as well. Unfortunately, Seiya dealing with this finger thing, so he hasn't really been able to kind of battle back from that. Uh, but if you can get both of those guys significant playing time the rest of this year um, and allow them to make those adjustments, yeah, I think, you know, looking at those three in the outfield on a mostly everyday basis, hopefully, um, should be at the very least informative uh, as we go for the rest yeah. of the season here. But we have to go to the minor leagues. We've been doing that a little bit just to um, keep our sights in the future, right? That's where the organization wants us to keep our sights, right? That's what Jed Hoyer keeps saying. And on Sunday, Brendan, Kevin Alcantara sets, as I said, a Myrtle Beach team record with eight RBIs. He hits two home runs in this game, the second of which was a three-run home run to bring his RBI total to eight uh, and I, I got to tell you, when you look at the video of him, 
it's we we say this with a few of these guys, right? I think PCA is certainly one of them. Christian Hernandez is another. Um, but like you just watch the power from Alcantara. He's got speed, and in one of the home runs that he hit for Myrtle Beach on Sunday, it was on a breaking ball that he makes a very clear like adjustment to wait back on right? You can kind of see him maybe set up for a fastball, picks up the breaking ball, and there's a a little bit of a kind of a pause to like, you know, make sure that he's ready to, and he kills the ball. And for uh, someone that is so young, he's 19 years old, playing in Myrtle Beach's low A, um, he's just been killing it. Um, He came into the game, into the game, where he had eight RBIs and two home runs, with a 132 WRC plus in low A. So that number is certainly higher. Uh, And if you kind of follow along with a lot of the prospect guys, I I figure he's not long for Myrtle Beach. Um, But he continues to be very impressive. And as as you and I have said, like, you you can do a couple things at once, right? You can be upset with where this team is at right now. You can be upset with how much money was put into the 2022 Chicago Cubs. You can be upset with how the trade deadline went, et cetera, et cetera. But they made those decisions, and you want Jed to have been correct, right, and won those trades. For some of them, the jury is going to be out for a little while. We may not be able to definitively, you know, make a decision on whether we feel like they won. For several of them, though, like the way these guys have come over and played in the Cubs system really sort of leans you to like, yeah, Jed did pretty well in these trades. And watching Alcantara on a daily basis is certainly one uh, where you're thinking, okay, at the very least, right, the Cubs got a, a very good young player uh, out of that trade, whether uh, you and I supported that trade or continue to support that trade is uh, a separate question, especially after watching uh, that particular first baseman in New York this weekend. But Alcantara looks incredible. He does. The the scouting reports on him are also pretty, pretty promising. For example, if you go to his fan graphs page, his current raw power is 70 on an 80 scale which is basically two standard deviations above the rest of his competition. So that's encouraging to see. And you're seeing him have success right away in Myrtle Beach for a 19-year-old, Corey. So we have a 19-year-old, six foot six outfielder who has eight home runs and perhaps could be adjusting. The, the big emphasis, which you laid out there, was that curveball adjustment on that, um, on that, on that home run pitch. So that's fun to see. And regardless of the thoughts on the trades, Pete Crow Armstrong, Alcantara, Killian, they do appear to be potential significant players for this organization. Their former two will have to go through the system. So hopefully we see them come out in the next two years or so. But that's exactly what you want to see. And we're seeing now the Cubs farm system get more notoriety. Greg Huss of the Growing Cubs podcast, who was actually on the CHGO show last week. They go into great detail about this, but we have perhaps four, five prospects in the top 100. I believe 
the recent report uh, out of Baseball Perspective or Baseball America. I'm forgetting what it is, but uh, you can look it up on Google. Uh, they have four in their top 100 right now, so it, it's really fun to see. And I got the I got a chance to actually watch Alcantara during um, the extended camp, the minor league camp last October. I saw you know, Cristiano Hernandez. I saw James Triantos, a lot of the young guys. But right away, I was with Rich Beisterfield, who takes all those photos of those young guys in Mesa. And right away, without knowing any of these guys, because, you know, they have no names on their jerseys trying to figure it out, you know, I, I could spot Alcantara from like a mile away. He just stands so tall over the rest of the guys. It's almost similar to what you see when like Aaron Judge steps on a field or like Giancarlo Stanton steps on the field. Like they just pop out right away. They look like they're, you know, very unique players, very unique fast twitch athletic players. And that's what Alcantara is. So in a season full of negatives and for the minor league system to progress to be progressing at this pace, that is the positive. And I do hope that by next season, a lot of these guys we're talking about are going to be knocking on the door and we'll look back at the 2021 trade deadline and be like, you know what? That wasn't so bad after all. Uh, but we do we do have some some ways to go here. Okay. So previewing this upcoming Four game sets against San Diego Padres at Wrigley Field. The first game starts at 7.05 p.m. Central on Monday. Hugh Darvish on the mound for the Padres. Uh, he'll be facing Justin Steele. Darvish on the year is 5-3 with a 3.61 ERA. Justin is 1-5 with a 4.79 ERA. On Tuesday, Kyle Hendricks will be pitching for the Cubs. Kyle this season is 2-5, and five, the 5.22 ERA. He has not started in, what is this, 11 or 12 days now. San Diego, as of Sunday evening, has not announced a starter for Tuesday. So if you're curious, keep tabs on that. And then also for Wednesday's and Thursday's game, uh, by the way, that Tuesday game starts at 7.05. And for Wednesday and Thursday's game, both teams have not announced a starter yet. So also keep tabs on that. Wednesday's game starts at 7.05, and then on Thursday, that's an afternoon game at your traditional Wrigley, 1.20 p.m. start time, San Diego. Having a pretty good year. They're 37-24 and without Fernando Tatis Jr., and the Cubs, as they stand right now, they are a beautiful, <laughs> if you want to call it that, 13 games below 500, 23-26. What I'm looking for this series is Kyle Hendricks showcasing some health. The uh, the elongated time off is very confusing, so I also hope we find more information about that just because they didn't say he was injured. So, of course, I'll be looking for that. Justin Steele, you want to see his pitch breakdown. You might remember that his last outing, he went almost exclusively forcing fastballs also, uh, as a result of talking with uh, former Cubs legend John Lester. And then we'll see how that rotation shapes out for Wednesday and Thursday, and we'll see how Sia Suzuki uh, looks in the next few days here. They did say they'll look at Sia in the next five days or so, so it's possible we do get a, an announcement whether or not he'll be uh, on the IL longer or whether he'll be back with the team by maybe this weekend. So those are, for me, the, the biggest priorities this series, but there is a lot of games, and there's a lot to look forward. Yeah, so... Tuesday and thir- and Wednesday, Brendan, uh, you are, are, are not going to be attending those games, obviously. Uh, but if you are, stay hydrated. Yeah. Going to be in the uh, 90s during the day oh. on Tuesday and Wednesday. 
with humidity? Do you even oh, have that? Oh yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Chicago, baby. So uh, stay Are hydrated. Are you going to those games? Going to go sit through those games. Um, my, I, I have to. I hate doing this, Brendan, but I have to go back to where we were after that one Reds game. My only note mm. for this series is please just stop embarrassing us. Uh, please. <laughs> please. I, I mean, just reading these stats and like Schwindel is pitching for the it's second bad, time man. already. They were, I think at one point, 0 for 45 with runners in scoring I position. Know. 0 for their last I 45 know. with runners in scoring position. They lose by 8 on Saturday, 14 on Sunday. Please, I'm, I'm begging you, Right. At this point, I'm not even I'm not asking for wins or whatever. I care about a lot of these guys' individual performances, of course, but please just leave us alone in terms of us being the laughing stock of the league and MLB social media and all of that stuff. Just please leave me alone. Um, it's a big ask, apparently, Brendan. You know the it the is. bar is quickly getting underneath the floor. So, um, yeah, and I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to uh, facing Darvish on Monday. Um, and it'll, it'll be, it'll, it should be an interesting series, though. Um, you know, San Diego is right there. I think they're a half game behind L.A. in that NL West. I think the Giants are maybe a, a couple games behind them. So that's a very tight division. San Diego continues to play really well, even without Tatis. But interesting, you know, because the Cubs took two of three from this team in San Diego. So interested to see what this series looks like. Because coming into that series, I believe the Padres were still playing well when they went out to San Diego. Um, So I I don't think, you know, that the Cubs beating them two out of three times means anything. But just interesting that the Cubs did have success against this team. So curious to see uh, what this series looks like. But yeah, man, like, you know. Just looking to not be embarrassed. So if we could keep position players off the mound, that'd be great. Um, You know, maybe give up less than six homers in a game, uh, you know, on a nightly basis, things like that. Is that... A few base hits and runs in scoring position. (laughs) Just a feel. Right. You know, just a feel. Oh, boy. Uh, Is it it September yet? No? Okay. Um, You got three more months of this. Right. So that's that's where we are, folks. Uh, you know, kind of as uh, as our, our, our friend Luke Stuckmeyer said uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, f- watch watch this team, fan about this team however you want. Um, there's no right way to do it. If you're not watching at all, I don't blame you. If you're watching and getting really angry, I don't blame you. If you're watching and you feel completely indifferent to everything that you're watching, I don't blame you on that either, right? Uh, this is obviously very frustrating for all of us. We're going to continue to try to look at the stuff that matters for the future and and do deep dives on it and and try to understand it better. And, you know, like we kind of did today, occasionally there's going to be some necessary venting and expression of frustration and anger and lack of understanding and all that. But however you're finding yourself experiencing all of this is completely up to you and I, I you know truly don't think that there's a right or wrong way to uh be experience be experiencing all of this so uh we'll continue to be here obviously on monday uh tune in for pre and post with luke cody and ryan I am going to try to get into the studio this week i know so many of you are are you know probably like clamoring to, to see me in studio again. So I'm going to try to uh, 
get that done. Uh, give the people what they yeah, want. Yeah, give the people what they want. I'm sure there's yeah. so many people who are just like, wow, we just need more of Corey doing we stuff. Do. We um, do. I mean, I'm, my mom probably thinks that. So there's at least one person. I, th- I think that, Corey. I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't believe you. But either way, Monday, you'll have pre and post with Luke and Cody. Uh, and Ryan, uh, you know, should hopefully be able to join uh, from Wrigley Field after the game for the post game. So don't miss that. Uh, Brendan and I will be back with you on Thursday night to break down this Padres series and everything that we have seen. We appreciate your support for CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. We will talk to you again later this week. And as always, go Cubs. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.